Hi, welcome to another episode of Paul Tom Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Palt, and uh, today we've got friend of the show, Bill Radvac from American Vanadium. They're an energy storage solutions company and getting very active in the uh, developing smart grid, especially the issues of grid stability and energy storage. But I'll let Bill talk about that. Hi, Bill. Welcome to the show again. Hi, Alex. It's uh, great to be on the show. Well, and uh, Go ahead. No, I was, I'm, I'm all excited here because I'm... Uh, actually at the New York uh, Battery Energy Storage Conference uh, in upstate New York uh, yesterday and today, and it's been an amazing evolution, even from last year, where it was sort of a quiet, um, people are starting to talk about energy storage to now that everybody understands it's an absolute core part of reshaping you know, the, uh, the grid for, for the new phase, which is integrating clean tech and, and actually just you know, extinguishing the old business models, utilities are relying on old generation like uh, nuclear and coal. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Bill, I've said often that all of our current design philosophies are really just expressions of uh, Kilby's work in integrated circuits just writ large because first everything communicated at the chip level, then everything communicated at the board level. Now everything's got to communicate at the infrastructure level just as you've got to deal with capacitance and storage and redundancy within an, in, uh, an enclosed system, it becomes even more critical, especially when you start talking about harvested energy, renewable energy, all of this other type of uh, variable energy. Wouldn't you agree, Bill? Oh, uh, not just I agree. What, I think what's, what's exciting for us, it's the utilities now agree. And, they, you, know, they, you, know, the, uh, uh, you know, the old joke of how does a utility person you know, commit suicide as they stand in front of a glacier. And, uh, you know, because their business model hasn't changed. It's just relied on the old uh, model of, of continuing to uh, build these very high capital cost substation infrastructure and, and old generation models and then just keep continuing to increase the billing. That is, they even accept that has to change. The amount of clean tech, the, the wind and solar coming on, you look at New York as about 18 or 1,500 megawatts of wind, but their commitment is to get to 8,000 megawatts of wind installed in California the solar being installed is is throwing the the whole grid into this dysfunction because you're getting this tremendous amount of energy being generated and, and positioned to join to be put on the grid in the middle of the afternoon when the biggest concern of utilities uh, have to deal with that yet they are absolutely required still to provide you know hundred percent service at the very peak load on that August evening at 7 o'clock and everybody's home with the air conditioner on. So you've got these business models um, in place that just have to change. And, and again, the most exciting part of the utilities now are, are buying into that change has to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, and then there you go. The question then becomes, well, it's a twofold question. How do you manage and control it is the one, but that's a grid-level issue that applies to everything. But the other is, how do you actually store it? I mean, I personally can think of five, six different ways off the top of my head, you know, flywheels, hot rock, compressed air. There's so many ways, not even looking at traditional and or even next-generation battery technologies. Yeah, I think, you know, as far as where we're positioned, you know, I'm really excited about the future of American Vanadium because, you know, we've partnered with a company that's been commercially manufacturing these for several years, very robust, reliable, scalable opportunity. What 
is concerning to me on the macro level outside our company is that you have these utilities you look at uh, or you know like the Long Island Power Authority is putting on RFP for a 12 and a half megawatt 12 hour storage facility you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars um, NIPA New York Power Authority is doing the same We've got California Southern Cal Ed um, SDG and E and uh, PG and E um, all are coming to these massive requirements and they're they're right now this year the the year is really about education they're just digging in to finding out what the solutions are and I'm worried in about a year or two you know they're all going to come out at the same time with these looking for contracts to purchase a tremendous amount of of storage yet the capabilities of the technology and companies right now is extraordinarily limited it's going to be a I think there's just um, it, unfortunately not going to be able to meet the, the demand of you know three four or five years it'll sort itself out but there's this massive education going on and a rush to uh, come towards a decision um, and you know it's just driven by so many things you got New York State also has to deal with this aging infrastructure it's world oldest grid you know it's the home of Edison and uh, they're gonna have billions of dollars worth of upgrades that they're requiring um, the different areas actually to think differently for instance Brooklyn is going so fast right now they're looking at um, this is from New York ISO a uh, putting a whole you know large substation in it, traditionally you would put a large substation in 2019 with all the infrastructure yet they're requiring them to uh, look at at these new methods you're looking at um, thousands and th- hundreds of thousands possibly millions of nodes of, of a microgrid generation capabilities not only to um, provide to provide the power for their own purpose but actually put power back onto the grid I mean that even includes you know the millions of electric vehicles in the future that will have the capability not only to restore the energy for um, for their the car use but actually put it back onto the grid so there's it's such a disruption right. in the old models I'm not sure even I'd, I'd hate to be utility um, I'm not sure how they will have to handle I, I understand their issues because they still have a, a very large infrastructure large capital budgets and a customer base that actually may be shrinking and so they're gonna have to how do you continue to provide that kind of service and reliability that's absolutely required with a potentially a shrinking customer base and shrinking revenue base unless you change your business model no, I agree with you completely, Bill. They're going to definitely have to change their business model because it will become more of a service industry than a straightforward manuf- brute force manufacturing industry because, as you pointed out, between grid storage and local harvested and local renewable and um, other initiatives like electric vehicles, the storage capabilities there, it, it will turn into a service industry. I think the electrical industry, a lot of the um, infrastructure technologies who felt that they were immune from technological development threatening their base now have to realize that everything is going to become like the web. We're, you know, it's that weird thing that everyone predicted it would happen and nobody knew exactly how, but we are go, everything, everything's turning into an on-demand service infrastructure. Yeah, and... and- and you and you know again the utilities being such you know uh, the Goliaths Goliaths that they are having to change this model and and not being able to really predict at all where the economics are going 
know, what, but they're, what they're really being required is to stop thinking over. They have to actually start building in front of the grid, not just behind it. And that means actually participating in the microgrids and even drawing revenue from that. That's what's happening in Europe and that these microgrids are going in. They're actually drawing the utilities into benefiting from the revenue of the microgrids to help them actually be part of the solution. And so, yeah, a major shift is happening elsewhere, and, and it has to start happening here. And again, fortunately, you're seeing a real consensus finally that that is a reality and that if they don't get a handle on it soon, very soon, um, it's just going to be there's going to be insurmountable problems. Agreed, agreed. Well, then let's talk a little bit more about what you guys are specifically doing. Um, for our audience who may not uh, have remembered your last visit, why don't you talk a little bit more in detail about your technology and how it applies? Right, and, and this is a technology that sounds quite unique and new, but it's been around for decades in its, in its uh, original form that um, was really discovered by NASA you know, decades ago. But you know, over 20 years ago, has been moving from off the uh, R&D bench into into manufacturing. It's a flow batteries, and and they actually are, you know, there is no one battery for everything. It's where is the best fit for each technology. And lithium battery has a fantastic ability to do multi-hour storage for you know very small power needs like a laptop. But when you're talking grid scale or even you know large microgrids, you know uh, you know half a megawatt on up, uh, their ability to store the duration, you know, is limited to really one to two hours. And what we do with flow batteries best is a cost-effective solution for, you know, that half megawatt to 10 megawatt size um, up, to, you know, from anywhere from four to 12 hours. So the big workhorse batteries that work exceptional for microgrids or for, you know, taking all the power off the solar field in the middle of the day, storing it, and then using it at your peak period, or taking power off the grid you know, at night when it's cheap and available and using it during the daytime period uh, at the peak period. So that really reduces the demand charts that are really starting to increase. You look at, you know, Con Ed is, is looking as is quadrupling the peak demand charge for, for businesses. And so, and it's really largely also to change behaviors. Um, so if you're forcing businesses, if you're really pinching them and uh, doing these excessive high charges, um, at these peak periods, you really change behavior so that they reshape all their efficiencies, they reshape how they work. Um, even your work hours may have to change uh, to drop your electrical charges. And one of the solutions, obviously, is to just take power off the grid at night, which is, and that's where the government actually is, is playing a key role, is providing incentives for that kind of demand charge reduction. So even Con Ed is bringing in incentives for energy storage. Because the more they inter help introduce the energy stores, it takes the proper grid at night and uses the peak period, the less they have to build that infrastructure out. Really, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're looking at, at the the vast majority of the infrastructure is you know of these billions of dollars is spent solely for very few days or weeks of the year at those peak periods. And uh, if you're able to reduce that, you can you can take you know. 20, 30% off of your capital cost of these, you know, mega billion dollar infrastructure costs. And well, so we're in, a, we're in a tremendous spot in American Vanadium, um, having partnered with a company that has really the only commercially available, um, you know, long duration energy storage system. So, for instance, this Long Island um, Power Authority RFP that's closing 
um, we are bidding on it. And even at the show here, we've had several people come up and they believe we may be the only technology that could be compliant. They're looking at a 12.5 megawatt, 12-hour battery. So it's hundreds of millions of dollars in this one installation. Um, but you have to be commercially ready and able to do that multi-hour. And there really aren't other options in the views of, of quite a lot of the industry. Got it. Well, and, and I agree completely. The, well, what people forget is that it's also overlapping benefit. You save money, but you're also increasing stability. You're also increasing reliability, improving right. disaster recovery, and saving even more money on the back end. Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's a you know—that's sort of the conundrum. And how, how do you value that? Because it, you, you really can't. A lot of that's almost intrinsic value. I mean, if if but it's know, all tangible value when it works. It is. It, well, it's tangible in the macro level, but how do you? you reimburse one battery company for battery when you're not sure exactly how much of that infrastructure it saves over the next 20 years, right? And that's part of the value. Or what is the value of having a standby battery like ours, which will hold its charge, 99% of the charge for um, up to a year, so that all that standby UPS charge, um, uh, you know, what what is the value of having something that can keep your critical missions um, infrastructure running during the next Superstorm Sandy? You know, so it's hard to put the, that dollar figure. So that, the biggest issue on the, on the energy storage is you can actually calculate, you know, how does it drop your demand charge? You can actually see your bill one day, and then if you drop your charge by, you know, dropping your load by, you know, taking energy off your battery, you can actually measure that. What are all the other channels that the battery do provide and their value is, is, is a major issue. But actually the government's done a terrific job, starting to do a terrific job on doing that. They've introduced on the short frequency, you know, specific reimbursements for energy storage that you can't really directly calculate. Um, but for instance, you know, flywheel companies can put up systems and because of these government reimbursements get paid for value that you can't actually directly calculate. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you said, there's, there's these tremendous multiple value streams here that can be captured uh, from one, one energy storage system. Or at least be recognized. Absolutely, and it's, 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 it's part of the the ongoing mission here is to figure out how how to pay for that, and it's important that battery companies get paid for it so that they can you know get get fair value and then you know continue to build more and more energy storage. Right, make it worth their while to continue. Exactly. Absolutely. So I'd love to keep talking, Bill, but we do have a certain amount of time in the show. So, but I always like to yeah. leave my uh, guests with the opportunity to leave a final uh, thought with the audience. So, what would you like? To leave is, you know, for this episode, because we're going to bring you back again, because obviously this is a moving target. But for mm-hmm. now, what, what final words do you have for our audience before we close out the episode? Well, you know, there's one very exciting panel here that really struck me. It was with um, NYSERD at New York State Energy Research Development Agency with um, New York um, uh, Public Service um, Commission and New York ISO and New York Power Authority. And the real consensus was that all these, you know, the green, the, the wind and solar energy storage was peripheral before. And that is the big change. It's just not on the periphery anymore. It is a core part of the delivery of energy now. This isn't sort of the greenies out there trying to be clean. This is, this is part of the, the whole infrastructure shift that is in place now. 
and that's a that's a tremendous recognition of of uh, the way we're going to get our energy, and the way we have to change all of our our business models and our patterns. Agreed, agreed. Well, hey, Bill, thank you so much for giving us your insights. This is a rapidly growing and rapidly developing space, and I know the audience appreciates appreciates any uh, information they can get, as I do. So I'm glad you took the time to be with us today. No, it's an uh, exciting time for us, and I, yeah, I hope we have another chance soon to, to talk more. Oh, we will, we will, and especially um, as uh, more and more municipalities and states really start to recognize that value. Okay, and um, I'd also like to thank the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Tom Power. Have a great day. <laughs>